I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, February 10th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, I have a riddle for you. It's not even a good riddle. Brett, it turns out when you ride a Peloton, you can't actually stay in one place. And you know who told me that? Who? The former CEO of Peloton, who got ousted this week. I think there's a joke in there. I don't think I nailed it, but... There is going to be a new CEO of Peloton because he couldn't ride the company on the wave. What I like is that we have notes for the episodes and sometimes she just puts something in there and I don't even read it. So I have no idea what's coming. And then I hear it. And then I, I remember that I should probably read these before going on just so we can make some minor edits. It wasn't great, but John Foley, the CEO of Peloton, he is out. And what's actually more embarrassing about it, though, Jay, is that there's this activist investor that put out this like comprehensive slideshow with like 20 slides about why John Foley, the CEO of Peloton, is terrible. And I feel like that would be very demoralizing for anyone. Well, it, not to mention the fact that like people have, are having heart attacks on the Peloton, on like television. And I think it's part of the product placement. And I just think that's a bad look. You know what, though? I, I can't criticize the guy too much. He built, I listened to his How I Built This episode, which, by the way, is a, is a great episode. But anybody who can build a hardware company where you can put together this like bike with the screen and get it produced at scale and build a global brand from it and have these classes that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people do every day and these instructors that people idolize, that's a pretty cool thing to build. And it's kind of like a man in the arena situation where, you know, he's built something pretty incredible. He might not be the right guy at this stage of the business, but to get that far, it's pretty good. And so I've got nothing bad to say about John Foley, uh, unlike those uh, evil activist investors. Evil activist investors, aside from them and the former CEO of Peloton. What do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Bridge Closed. For our second story, Time to Bet. And for our third story, Fast Fusion. For our first story, how many protesters does it take to freeze a quarter of all Canadian U.S. trade? Well, shockingly few, actually. We've learned this because of the recent blockade at the Ambassador Bridge. Brett, we're familiar with the truckers, but what's happening in Windsor? Yeah, so on Monday night, anti-lockdown demonstrators on the Canadian side of the border blocked access to the Ambassador Bridge, this big bridge that's a critical privately owned link between Detroit and Windsor. By the way, there's also a tunnel, but the tunnel is for pedestrian traffic, the bridge is for the trucks. The bridge is the biggest Canada-U.S. trade bridge, and the blockade shows how vulnerable Southern Ontario trade is with the U.S. But while the protests raised fears about the free flow of vehicles and parts, GM and Ford said they had not experienced any delivery disruptions at their factories, which is crucial with nearly 124,000 employees employed by the auto industry. Now, Brett, you might be wondering why they're blocking the Ambassador Bridge. Well, for the same reason, a number of vehicles are still blocking access to Parliament. Originally, the truckers were opposed to the federal government's vaccination mandate on the industry, but it's evolved into more of an amalgamation of COVID-related issues, ranging from vaccine passports to lockdowns. Yeah, it's kind of like a buffet of grievances. You kind of pick whatever you want and park your car. One of the reasons why the bridge blockade is such a big deal is because there's only one crossing at the Ontario-Michigan border. By the way, one trade crossing. There is the, the tunnel underneath. And there's been a years-long fight between Canada's government and the controlling owners of the bridge, the Morin family, over whether to build a second crossing. It's crazy that there's a family that owns this bridge. Like, what an incredible asset to own. A new bridge named for Canadian hockey icon Gordie Howe is under government construction despite the Morin's objections, creating another toll-fee cash cow. But it's not going to help with the current crisis, obviously, because that is imminent and happening right now. So, Brett, what's the big takeaway from the truckers' latest blockade? 
So what began as a protest against vaccine mandates for cross-border truckers has resulted in one of the most economically significant protests ever in Canadian history. If commerce is disrupted again or for longer, already vulnerable supply chains would likely suffer the most. And ironically, this would be particularly damaging for other truckers who can no longer cross the border and do their jobs. Well, and as Alanis Morissette said, isn't it ironic? For our second story, will Joe Burrow carry the Bengals to a Super Bowl win this weekend, or will the Rams' defensive line silence the up-and-coming QB? Well, good news for Canadians. They'll be able to legally bet on this for the first time ever. Jay, what's happening with the Canadian gambling laws? Well, most provinces are now allowing single-game bets on this Sunday's Super Bowl through legal channels. This is for the first time, because certainly it will not be the first time Canadians bet on this game, but this time it will be legal. This is because the federal government passed a law back in August that removed single-game betting from the criminal code, letting provinces develop their own sports betting regulations. Now, before this, parlay betting, in which bettors must pick the outcome of several different events to win, was the only legal option offered by the government-run agencies. And everybody knows that's a sucker's bet, Brett. Why'd the government make the change? Well, because of the U.S. acceptance of single-game sports betting. MPs on border towns saw American casinos taking market share and jobs away from their communities because of the legal status of single-game betting on the U.S. side of the border, and their advocacy pushed the feds to act. To tie this back to the first story, the number one proponents of the legalization of single-game sports betting were the members of Parliament in Windsor, uh, who saw the business going to Michigan. Now, provincial betting agencies have rushed to offer single-game bets in time for the Super Bowl. The Ontario and Lottery Gaming Corp, OLG, for example, is offering odds on dozens of bets, including the length of the national anthem and the color of Gatorade poured on the winning coach. It's always blue. (laughs) Always blue. Always blue. Always blue. But provincially owned agencies won't have the market to themselves for long, though. Ontario will let private companies operate as of April, and Quebec, BC, Alberta, and Manitoba have all confirmed they will follow suit sometime in early 2022. In preparation for the launch of private sports betting, U.S. gaming giant Penn National scooped up Toronto-based sports media company The Score, which is the country's most popular sports media app, for $2 billion last October. So, Jay, why does the legalization of single-game sports betting matter to Canadians? Well, the Canadian Gaming Association estimates that Canadians spend $14 billion, with a B, every year placing bets with offshore gaming websites or black market operations, a sizable chunk of change they'd like to keep within Canada's borders and not crossing into Detroit, actually. For our last story... European scientists set a new record for the highest amount of energy created through nuclear fusion, the reaction that powers the sun. It is a major milestone in the quest for cheap and clean sources of energy. So, Brett, we've talked about fusion before, but we want to get the non-scientist up to speed on this new tech. So scientists have been chasing this dream of using nuclear fusion for limitless clean energy for decades. As the name suggests, nuclear fusion involves fusing together two or more atoms into a bigger one in a process that generates a huge amount of energy. Now, in theory, the technology would offer benefits of current nuclear fission reactors, but with far less risk and little to no radioactive waste. But here's the catch. Recreating the sun's conditions, including temperatures of around 10 million degrees Celsius on Earth, is, not surprisingly, a tall order. So far, no one's been able to control the reaction so that it produces far more energy than it consumes a challenge that has made turning fusion energy into a reality really, really tricky, Brett. There's always a catch, which brings us 
to what happened yesterday. A team of scientists at the Joint European Taurus in the UK could be one step closer to overcoming this challenge. The scientists produced 59 megajoules of heat around the same as a wind turbine, lasting five seconds in a new world record and more than doubling their previous record for generating and sustaining nuclear fusion. Now, to achieve this, the scientists used a donut-shaped magnetic field to contain the high temperatures for the reaction to work in a fuel mix that fuses, oh, I'm going to really screw this one up, deuterium and titrium, two forms of hydrogen that ramp up energy output. We don't do public science here, Jay. So, Jay, what's next for fusion? Well, they're going to create 1.21 gigawatts. Just kidding. Jet's results don't change the fact that no experiment has generated more energy than it puts in. However, it validates design choices for experiments involving the International Thermonuclear Experimental Reactor, the world's largest nuclear fusion project that are slated to begin in 2025. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second one, follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode and dealing with all the choppiness. <laughs> thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And uh, everybody who's on their Peloton ride listening to us right now, have a great day. 